We're going to, we're just going to get into the word of the Lord here tonight. And uh, I covet your prayers. I need God's touch tonight. I need his help tonight. I know the Lord is able. He is able. Praise God. With his help, with his strength, we'll get through this. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1 tonight. We're, we're going to take a little bit of a break from our series we've been in. Really, as much as I want to proceed with that, I just felt like it'd be good to kind of wait until everybody was back home. And uh, everybody go through it together. So we're going we're gonna to take a little bit of a diversion here tonight and uh, really kind of continue a little bit of some of the things that I said on Sunday and uh, we'll talk more about that perhaps in a moment. Ephesians chapter 1 and beginning with verse number 2, Ephesians 1 and verse 2. Apostle Paul writes, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, now look, I don't want us just glancing over what the Apostle Paul just said. I want us to stop and think about the depth of what he is bringing to our attention. He says, God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And then he starts talking about some of those spiritual blessings. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. There's, there's a whole lot that's being said right here in these few verses. As the apostle talks about just how good God has been to us. And I'm going to tell you tonight, it does us good once in a while to just go back and think about just how good God's been. In times like these, it's easy for us to focus on the negatives, to focus on our problems, to get our eyes on 
the world around us and how it seems to be falling apart. Get focused on the economy or on politics. And I'm going to tell you, as the people of God, we need to rein in our focus and remember once again just how good God has been to us. He's been really good. He's been really good. He's been really, really good to us. So tonight, for lack of a better title, I'm just going to call this our benevolent benefactor. Our benevolent benefactor. I think you know his name. I think we ought to shout his name. Hallelujah. Why don't we talk to him one more time, everybody? Let's ask the Lord to have his way in the remainder of this service. Again, I need the touch of God. I desperately need his touch tonight. Let's, let's talk to the Lord right now. Let's give him some thanks right now. Let's give him some thanks right now. Praise the name. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated here tonight. Now, um, because I'm using these $10 million words. I guess it would be good if I provide you with a bit of a definition as to what those words mean exactly. The word benevolent is defined in the American Heritage Dictionary of the English language as one who is characterized by or giving, given to doing good. Someone that this is their character. This is what they do. They do good for others. That's what it means to be benevolent. A benefactor, very closely related, it means one who gives aid. One who confers a benefit. A kindly helper. And so tonight when I'm talking about our benevolent benefactor, I'm talking about the God who loves to bless his people. The God who has blessed us so abundantly 
that words cannot begin to describe the magnitude of the blessings we enjoy. I'm going to tell you, we may not have everything we want in life, but we've got so much more than those who don't know Him. And I would rather be living on Skid Row and be full of the Holy Ghost than to live in the highest penthouse on earth and not know the Lord. I'm telling you, He's been good to me. He's been good to me. My life hasn't always been easy. In fact, it's not easy right now. I've known my share of trouble, trials, tribulation. I have gone through times of abject poverty. I really have. I know what it is to have absolutely nothing. I've been there. I've lived it. But can I tell you that through it all, God has still been good. Yes, he has. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. God has never failed me. He has never let me down. Thank you, God. He has been faithful. He's been true. But there is the propensity within human nature to sometimes forget about the good things and spend our time solely focused on the bad. In fact, it, it is a fact that bad news travels much faster than good news ever could. That's right. And we have a tendency to believe bad news and question good news. I, 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 you know, I had, when, when, when this great revival began in Africa, that God has blessed me to be a part of. Bishop Aston, who has now gone on to his reward, but uh, he was a native Kenyan but he was very, very much involved in the effort and helping me and guiding me during that time. But he told me one time, he said, he said as I travel across America, I have men ask me, is, 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 is what Brother Riggin is telling, is that really true? Is that really happening? People just tend to be doubtful about good things. Now, I can tell you that as soon as a story gets started about somebody falling into sin or some church falling apart, people don't even bother to check out the source. They just believe it. They just buy it. That's just the way it is. That's human nature. In fact, we can trace it back. We, we can see this going on uh, back in centuries before Christ. We see it even in King Hezekiah. Prophet Isaiah came to him and said, set your house in order. You're going to die. He turned his face to the wall and started praying because he believed it. 
God stopped Isaiah, turned him around, sent him back with good news. God said he's going to restore your life. Hezekiah said, I want proof. (laughs) Am I telling you the truth or not? That's what he did. I want, in fact, I want, I want the sun to go backwards to prove to me that the good news is coming. Now, he didn't ask for a sign about the bad news. But he needed a sign for the good news. I'm going to tell you, this is, as I said, this is human nature. This is the way we are designed for whatever reason. And not, not the way we're designed because God didn't make us this way. This is the way we have, uh, if I could use the word evolved, not in the terms of, of Darwin's theory of evolution, but, but just as, as mankind has digressed from the fall. Maybe devolved is a better word. But the psalmist wrote about his dread of forgetting the good that God had done. Psalm 137 verses 5 and 6. Listen to this. If I forget thee. If I forget thee. O Jerusalem. O Jerusalem. Let my right hand forget her cunning. Uh-huh. If I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. I'm telling you, the psalmist was worried that one day he might forget about what God had done. He might forget about the blessings God had bestowed. And he said, I would rather... I would rather that I lose my ability to defend myself. I'd rather lose my ability to speak than to forget about the goodness of God. Listen to me, saints of God. The only way it's possible for us to get depressed or discouraged is if we don't actively seek to remember the blessings God has bestowed on us. You can't remember God's blessings and be depressed at the same time. You can't remember God's goodness and be discouraged at the same time. It's just not possible. It's not possible. Because when you remember his goodness, it will remind you that if he did it before, he'll do it again. Well, praise God. Oh, I feel this tonight. I feel this tonight. Hallelujah. God is concerned that we remember his blessings. Because he knows that if we forget his blessings, we'll end up returning to our former ways. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 51 and 1. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, Ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence ye are hewn, into the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Here's what he said. He said, he said, you that want to follow righteousness, you that seek the Lord, why don't you go back and remember how I dug you out? Go back and remember how I carved you out. Remember where you used to be and think about the fact you may not be where you want to be, but thank God by his grace you're not where you used to be. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, we got to get our eyes on the blessings of God. We've got to get our minds back on the goodness of our Redeemer. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. 
God is concerned that we remember his benevolence and that we pass it along to the next generation. Psalm 78, verses 6 and 7. That the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Look, how many times did God tell the children of Israel, I want you to set up some stones. I want you to set up some reminders. And, and, and when your children say, what's this all about? That's a perfect opportunity for you to tell them, hey, God brought us through the Red Sea. Hey, God brought us across the Jordan River. Hey, God brought down this city and God gave us that city. God's been good to us. We were slaves, but we're not slaves anymore. We were in bondage, but now we've got a nation of our own. That's the goodness of God. God said, tell your children about it. And teach them to tell their children. And their children's children. And pass it on down the line. Because he said, he said if they will not forget the works of God, then they'll keep the commandments of God. Well, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you tonight, the first step in backsliding, the first step in backsliding is that you've forgotten how good God's been. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, you, you, you've stopped praying, and I, that's a part of it. That's one of the symptoms. But you don't stop praying if you remember how good God's been. If you keep your eyes on the blessings that God's given you and you get up every day thankful for what he's done for you, you're not going to spend days in prayerlessness. People say, well, so-and-so did me wrong and so-and-so hurt my feelings and that's why I left the church. No, no, no. No, no, no. Because God never did you wrong. God didn't hurt your feelings. When you walk away from the church, you're walking away from God. And what that tells me is you've forgotten how good God was. You forgot what he did for you. Because listen to me, I don't care what my brothers or sisters do to me, God's still good. God give us a revelation of the spirit and attitude of Joseph when he said I know my brothers meant this for evil but God had his hand in it and God was working it for good will you hear this preacher tonight even when somebody in church does you wrong God knows how to make it good in your life God knows how to turn it out for your best interest. We got to get our eyes back on God's blessing, somebody. Listen to this preacher tonight. We got to get our eyes back on the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Let me, let, let me show you something in the scripture here tonight. Psalm 22 and verse 3, most of us are familiar, if not with the verse, at least with the concept, because the concept is stated many times, though the verse is not accurately quoted, the principle is applied, and rightfully so. Psalm 22 verse 3. But thou art holy, 
O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Now, we, we've, we've heard that God inhabits the praises of his people. And that is a principle that, that is true. And, and we understand that God inhabits praise. He inhabits praise. Now, according to the Brown Drivers Briggs Hebrew definitions, the word inhabits literally means to dwell in, to remain, to abide. Did you hear what I said? God abides in praise. God dwells in praise. God remains in praise. And so obviously we ought to praise Him. In fact, we are commanded to praise Him. Psalm 150 verse 6, most of us can quote that one. Let everything that hath breath breath praise praise the Lord. Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Listen, he didn't say you got to have clean breath. Can I tell you, even an alcoholic, even a nicotine addict, everybody's commanded to praise God. So what's your excuse tonight? Well, I don't feel good. Well, listen to me. I don't either, but I'm here to praise him anyhow. Well, I've got problems. Yeah, I do too, but I'm here to praise him anyhow. He commanded me as long as I've got breath, as long as I'm breathing, I've got a commandment. I've got to praise the Lord. Not about how you feel. Not about what you're dealing with. It's not about what you're going through. It's about the fact that God deserves your praise. Even in the bad times, He's still God. And He's still good. Now, Sunday morning, I made mention of the fact there is a difference between praise and worship. And I've stated that many, many times. Worship is much deeper than its more shallow counterpart of praise. But it is praise that we're commanded to offer. Because that's where God dwells. And can I tell you, those who don't praise, don't talk to me about your relationship with God. Because scripturally, God is not dwelling Anywhere near you. If you're not praising God. God is not living there. Praise is his house. That doesn't mean you've got to run the aisles. It doesn't mean you've got to jump up and down. But it means you've got to do something. Ah, help me tonight, Jesus. I've heard people say, well, I just worship God in my heart. Well, that's interesting because Jesus said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if your praise is contained to your heart, then there's not much there. 
Because if there's abundant praise there, Jesus said it's coming out of your mouth. As long as there's abundant praise in your heart, it's going to find a way to express itself. It's either going to come out in your hands or your feet or your voice. There's going to be an expression when your heart is really filled with praise. Well, praise God. Now, having said all that, having said all that, it is interesting to note that there is a scriptural prerequisite to pray. Let's go to Psalm 100 and verse number 4. Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Now just leave that verse up there for a little while. I want to talk about this for just a few moments. The word courts comes from a Hebrew word which can be defined as a yard, something that is enclosed by a fence. So get this picture in your mind. You enter into his courts with praise. But there's something that comes before the courts. Before you can get into the courts... You have to go through the gates. And you enter into his gates with thanksgiving. So I'm telling you tonight that before you start praising God, you ought to begin by thanking him. In fact, if you'll look at the last part of that verse, it goes on to reiterate, be thankful unto him. And then it says, bless his name. But I'm telling you, too many times we want to jump to the praise part. But how long has it been, my friend, since you just said, thank you, Jesus. I've shouted hallelujah. I've said praise the Lord. But when's the last time that you just opened up and really said thank you? When is the last time you verbalized the gratitude that you say that you feel? There is, it appears to me in this verse, a progression That leads us into his presence. Now remember, praise is where his presence dwells. But there's a progression that leads us into his presence. We don't just start with praise. We begin with thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving leads us to praise. And finally, as we begin to praise him out of the abundance of a thankful heart, it takes us into the depths of worship. I'm telling you, if we'll follow that progression, we can rest assured we're going to end up in God's presence before it's all over with. 
God wants to hear us say thank you. God wants to hear us show our appreciation for what he's done. I can't tell you how many times, even within one week, that I start my prayer time thanking God again for saving my soul. I'm thankful that he saved me. I'm thankful that he saved me. He doesn't have to worry about me ever walking out on him because I'm thankful that he saved me. He didn't have to save me. He didn't owe that to me. He wasn't obligated to do it. But he loved me enough to do it. And listen to me, church. I'm thankful that he did. I'm thankful too. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Have you really stopped to thank God for his blessing? Have you even thought about all of the blessings God has given you? Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's go back to our text tonight. And let's look at a few of the blessings that Paul lays out for us. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 3 read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings all spiritual in blessings. heavenly places. In heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. And so Paul is wanting us to know. And if you'll look, there is, there is a, a colon here. Now, don't, don't to, to, the, to the young preachers listening, don't get hung up on punctuation marks. Because in the original, there were none. So all of these punctuation marks were added by the translator. But I, I, I will tell you that those who knew the language best felt that this was the way that this would best be understood. Not by ending this as one complete thought, but pointing us on. As you look at grammatically the text and its context, it appears that what Paul is doing is he is mentioning, first of all, all these spiritual blessings just as a group. And then he's going to identify what they are. So verse 4 gives us the first one. Ephesians 1 verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, now look at this. According as he hath what? Chosen. He has chosen us. He chose us. Not vice versa. We didn't choose him. I didn't wake up one day and say, you know, I want to follow Jesus. I want to tell you what did happen. He awakened my soul and began to draw me to him. He made a choice. That's why I'm saying, and somebody said, well, I was raised in this. I was, but listen, somewhere along the line, God made a choice. First of all, in choosing to save your parents or your grandparents or whoever was first. But secondly, in placing you in that family, God still made a choice. 
And don't ever forget, it's by his choice that you're sitting here tonight. He's the one that chose you to, to live for him. He's the one that chose you to be on his team, if you please. John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said this. Ye have not chosen you me. You have not chosen but me. I have but chosen I you. have chosen and you. And ordained you. Hang on. I have chosen you. Listen to me, saints of God. That is something to be reckoned with. That's something to be grateful for. That God would look at us, would see our faults, would see our failures, would know our weaknesses, would know our downfall. Amen. But yet, he said, you're the one I want. You're the one I pick. You're the one I choose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. Billions of people in the world. Who have never felt what you're feeling tonight. Right, right. But God chose you yes. to feel this. Thank you, Jesus. What else does Paul tell us? Verse 5. I'm just going through this tonight. Verse 5. What else does he tell us? Having predestined us unto the adoption of children. Unto the adoption of, of children, children. By Jesus Christ himself. According to the good pleasure of his will. Oh, listen. Listen. There's something about this that we need to realize. An adopted child is a child that is specifically wanted. Now, I know that many times in their minds they feel rejected. And I'm not downplaying that. In their minds, the thoughts, my parents didn't want me. My biological parents rejected me. And it can bring about depths of depression. But if they have been adopted, they need to realize, my biological parents may not have wanted me, but somebody chose me that didn't have to have they didn't have to take me in. They, they chose to make a commitment to raise me. They chose to spend the untold thousands on medical bills and education and food and clothes. They made a choice. They didn't have to do it. But they chose to do it. And do you know that's the same thing the Bible says about us. He adopted us. Yes, he did. We, didn't, we weren't born into this family naturally. Uh -uh. We didn't come into this by bloodline. Right. And he knew the moment he adopted us what it was going to cost him. He knew what it was going to cost him. He knew... The expense involved in bringing us into his family. But he chose to do it. He adopted us. What a blessing that I've been adopted by the king of kings. I was a pauper. I was nobody. I had nothing to offer. But the king adopted me. 
And you know what that means? Listen to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Here's what that means. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. He didn't bring you in to be a slave. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. But here's what he did. He adopted you into the family. Read. Whereby we cry, Abba. Abba. Father. Father. Abba. 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 You know, that is... That, that's, that's almost um, a slang, not, not, not slang in the sense of uncouth, but, but it's, it's more than just father. It's really more akin to daddy. We've been adopted by him, and we don't just have to walk in and say, oh, heavenly father, I thank thee that thou hast been so gracious unto but we can run with open arms and say, Dad, I love you. And I know you love me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Thank you Oh, hallelujah. 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 Listen, we have been adopted. But Paul goes on, verse 6, Ephesians 1. You know, you ought to have your Bible open to Ephesians 1. In case you hadn't figured it out, I'm going through Ephesians 1 right now. <laughs> you, you really it would probably be good if you were following along. But anyhow, Ephesians, now that I'm nearly done, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We've been made accepted. Now, there are some horror stories out there of folks who were adopted and then abused. Folks that after the adoption, the, the adoptive parents rejected the child. But here's what Paul tells us. We haven't just been adopted. We've been accepted. He's glad to have us. He wants us in his family. In spite of the grief that we cause from time to time, in spite of all of the things that go wrong in our life and the many times we disobey and we fall flat of our face, I'm telling you, God wants us yes, in yes. His family. Yes. He has accepted us. Hallelujah. Preach it, preach it. Preach it to us, Lord Pastor. Hallelujah. And here's why. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable you see, service. He filled us with the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness. Yeah. Otherwise, we could not be accepted in his family. But what's happened is when he adopted us, he put his spirit in us to make us more like him. We don't have to struggle with getting adjusted because he put a spirit in us that knows how to live the way he wants us to live. And as long as we keep that spirit fresh in us, we don't have a problem. I'm just going to tell you tonight, I know I've been teaching on holiness through the week, but I'm going to tell you, anybody that's got a problem with holiness, their problem is they don't have enough Holy Ghost in their life. It's not I don't understand the standards. No, it's that you don't have enough Holy Ghost in your life. That's the problem. 
Well, it got kind of quiet on me there. But it's the truth. You get enough Holy Ghost, you don't care what the standards are. You get enough Holy Ghost, you'll live anyway. It doesn't matter. You're just happy to be a part of God's family. Well, I'm trying to be positive here tonight. Blame it on me not feeling good if I get too mean tonight. All right, just, well, he didn't feel good tonight. He's, he's a grumpy old man tonight. He's, he, he's a grumpy old man, doesn't feel good, so we just got to put up with him. Praise God. Let me tell you another benefit Paul gives us here as we're going on. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now listen, if there's anything that ought to make us be thankful, it is the fact that we have been forgiven. We've been forgiven. I know we can look back over our lives and point to something we did that we will regret until the day we die. But here's the good news. If we've repented of that, it's been covered by the blood. And we may remember it. And hell may remember it. But God doesn't remember it. Now, now, now. Now, now, please hear me. Please hear me when I say what I'm about to say. But it is absolutely ridiculous to tell people or expect people to forgive and forget. It's not possible for us to make ourselves forget. In fact, the harder you try to forget, the more you're remembering it. So what we have to do is not forgive and forget. We have to forgive and live as though it's forgotten. While we still remember. But here's the beautiful thing about God. He does forgive and forget. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17 says this. And their sins and iniquities. Their sins and iniquities. Will I remember will no I more. Will I remember no, no more. more. I am telling you tonight that anything in your past that is under the blood, yeah. God will not remember it again. I don't care how many times the devil brings it up to you. I don't care how many times the devil reminds you. I don't care how many times somebody else reminds you. God doesn't remember. That's it. Hallelujah. Many, many years ago, I was told a story about a man who did something wrong. I don't even know what he did wrong. But he'd done something wrong, and he felt terrible about it. And for days on end, he would repent over that same thing. Tears flowing down his face. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Until one day, as he was pleading with God to forgive him, he heard the voice of God say, Forgive you for what? Now think about that for a moment. It dawned on him. God has forgotten it. 
God doesn't remember it. It's under the blood. I'm telling you somebody, don't let the devil keep you living under guilt and condemnation for something that's in your past that you've repented of. God doesn't remember it anymore. God does not remember. That's one of our benefits. That's one of our blessings. Yes, sir. Thank God. All right, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying. Uh, let's read on. Verses 8 and 9. Still in Ephesians 1, verses 8 and 9. Wherein he hath abound, abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Now, the Amplified Version reads, he, which he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding. That is, practical insight and prudence. This is what God has done for us. He has granted us Wisdom we would not otherwise have ever experienced. And in fact, that wisdom, that wisdom has been lavished upon us. Now, I didn't get very many amens. But this is what the Bible tells us. And either the Bible is 100% true or we're going to have to throw it away. But the Bible says that God has lavished his wisdom upon us. You say, well, then why do I still make such dumb mistakes? Well, you know, I don't always use all of the power that's under the hood in my car. Once in a while, the young man in me finds its way out. And I'll push the gas pedal to the floor and feel that surge. But most of the time, I'm driving well under the potential that I have. And this is the way it is for the people of God. We are living well below the potential God has really invested in us. There is wisdom God has lavished upon us that we sometimes just fail to make use of. Now, where does this wisdom come from? Well, a couple of places. One of them, 1 Corinthians 1.21, listen to this. For after that, in the wisdom in of the God, wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. The world's wisdom couldn't know God. It pleased God, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. To save them that believe. So this is the wisdom of God expressed to us. It comes to us through the preaching of the word. Let's read 1 Corinthians 2 verses 6 and 7. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom, not the wisdom of, of, this world. of this world. Nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom, we speak the wisdom of, God of God in a mystery. In a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom 
which God ordained before the world unto our glory. I, I'm telling you, church, there's a whole lot of times if we'll just take heed to what's being preached, not just by me, but whoever is standing behind the pulpit. If you'll allow yourself to receive with meekness the engrafted word, you'd be surprised how many times God will give you the wisdom to deal with things. I, I, I learned early, early in my ministry, it, it astounded me. It astounded me how many times somebody would miss church and call me the next day or I'd call them to check on them, see what's going on. And they'd say, well, pastor, I'm just really struggling with such and such. And I just don't. And I say, you know, if you'd have been in church last night, that's exactly what I dealt with. God was trying to help you with your problem, but instead of coming and getting God's wisdom to deal with it, you stayed home and tried to figure it out with your own wisdom. In fact, I heard of one preacher that just kept, kept his, his, his own sermons in a, a tape catalog behind his desk. And when somebody came in for counseling, he'd turn around, he'd find the message, he'd say, here, take this home and listen to it. When you get through, come back and talk to me again. Because I've dealt with that. Right. Yeah. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Amen. But God, this is one of the blessings God gives us, is wisdom to know how to deal with things. You know, and look, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but some of you will remember that during the early days of COVID, I said to the church, they're sending checks don't go squander that. This is extra money. Don't go blow it. Remember what Joseph did when the years of extra were there. Save it. Lean times are coming. Anybody remember me saying that? But it's amazing how many people as soon as they got their check squandered. And then later found themselves in a financial difficulty. Oh, preacher, pray for me. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Well, God tried to impart some wisdom to you. And now you want him to come along and fix what you refused in the first place. I'm trying to be nice tonight. But I'm just telling you, if we will listen to the word of the Lord, God will lavish his wisdom upon us. And you may not need it tonight. Because, you know, this I've really found this out about God. Many times God gives us warnings or gives us wisdom or words of direction, sometimes months before we ever need it. He really does. But because I don't need it right now, I walk away and say, well, that one wasn't for me. Well, it may not be for you tonight. But wait a few weeks. Because it's probably going to be for you before too long. So tuck it away and remember the principle.
Well, that's good preaching. Thank you. I thought so too. All right. What else? Let's move on. Verses 10 and 11. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. All right. Now, now listen to this. In whom also we have obtained what? An inheritance. I'm, I'm just trying to remind you tonight of the blessings. I hope you're not weary with this. But I'm trying to remind you of the blessings that our benevolent benefactor has bestowed upon us. When you think about all of the things that God has done, listen to me tonight. He's given us so much and this is not the end because there is an inheritance that is yet to come. There is a treasure laid up for us. It's going to get better than it is now. As good as God's been so far, it's just going to get better. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 says this. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. We know that if this earthly house is dissolved, God's got a building that he's prepared for us. I'm here to tell you, saints of God, this world is not my home. Now, I'm enjoying every blessing that God's given me. I'm thankful for every blessing that God's given me. But I'm going to tell you, I'm also thankful that this is not the end. The apostle Paul said, if in this life only we had hope, we would be of all men most miserable. My hope is not just in the blessings I have here, but my hope is that I'll fly away, oh glory. I'm headed somewhere so much better. A place without sorrow, a place without sickness, a place where there's no tears, a place where there's no parting, a place where there's no death, there's no sighing, there's no mourning. I'm headed somewhere. That's the inheritance that God has given me. All right. Musicians come. I'm going to stop there. I've, I've got some more scripture, but I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to tell you that every once in a while we've got to be reminded of the blessings that have been bestowed upon us. Every once in a while we need to stop and remind ourselves of what all God has done for us. I want to tell you tonight, church, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for truth. I go often and preach these conferences to these men and, and women that really believe false doctrine. They, they really believe it. They've dedicated their lives to it. They are making sacrifices to propagate it. And it makes me so thankful that I've got truth. 
I'm thankful for truth tonight. I'm thankful for salvation. Only God knows where I would be had he not saved me when he did. Only God knows how messed up my life might be right now if God had not found me when he did. I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my wife. She's been a helpmeet for me. She's been a blessing to me for more than 43 years. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my grandchildren. The Apostle John said in 3 John 1 and 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And not just my physical children, but my spiritual children as well. I am so thankful for the truth church. I'm thankful for people that love this message. I'm thankful tonight that God has put me in a place where people love preaching. They respond to preaching. People know how to pray. They know how to get a hold of God. They love separation. I'm thankful tonight. I don't want to forget just how much God has blessed me I've been blessed and I want to publicly declare tonight my gratitude to my benevolent benefactor he's lavished his goodness on me far more than I could ever ever deserve let's stand and lift our hands to him tonight Come on, let's give God some praise. Let's give God some thanks here tonight. Can we do it, everybody? There ought to be a roar that goes up from this place. Everybody under the sound of my voice ought to be giving God thanks tonight. You ought to be giving God thanks tonight. Hallelujah. I am blessed. I am blessed. Hallelujah. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning until I lay my head to rest, I'm blessed. Anybody else feel that way tonight? I think it'd be good for us just to close this service out by coming down around the front.